Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Our scripture today is Romans 8, 12 to 17. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Today we come to the third in a series from the book of Romans regarding walking in newness of life. In the first two messages, we discovered God's provision for walking in newness of life from Romans chapter 6, a truly sublime passage of Scripture. In the first half of Romans 6, we learned that the true believer is dead to sin because of his union with Christ through faith and baptism. When Christ died, and I died with him on the cross, the old self, the rebellious me, died with him on the cross, and my new life in Christ was born. This is not something I try to feel, but something I know for a certainty based on God's promise. Therefore, sin is no longer master over me, but is the great exception to the rule of holiness and joy. It is important to underscore this fact today when there is so much confusion about what constitutes the genuine Christian life. To be a Christian is to have Christ living in you, not as a mental concept, but in reality. Christ lives in the believer, constantly turning him away from sin and into the path of holiness and godliness of life. Then in the second half of Romans 6, we learned that sin shall not reign in our mortal bodies that we should obey its lusts. We discovered that our natural desires can be captured by sin and turned against us to bring us back into bondage. Sin wants to take our desires and turn them into traitors that lead us into unrighteousness. But we can overcome sin by realizing that our old self is dead with Christ and preferring the beauty and love and joy of God above the deceitful pleasures of sin. Now today, we look at Romans chapter 8 to learn that it is the Holy Spirit who is the author of the newness of life we all desire. Let's begin by remembering that Christianity is about total transformation. It is not about a makeover about God adding something or reforming a part of our natural life. Christianity is not one of many moral movements. There is an organization today called the Moral Rearmament Movement. They state MRA is not a sect. 
It is a movement where each of us is rooted in our own religious tradition. These ideas enable those of different faiths to work together without any of us compromising our beliefs. For the concepts of divine guidance and moral standards, expressed in varying terms, are common to all the world's major religions. This is simply not true. The concepts of divine guidance as stated in the Christian worldview are not found in any other world religion. Divine guidance by the Holy Spirit is something entirely different. It is actually living and thinking under the control of the Holy Spirit of the true and living God. The New Testament speaks of believers having a new mind, a new will, a new heart, a new wisdom, new perception, new understanding, new righteousness, and new love. The splendid project of the Christian life is to put on Christ, to be his sons and daughters in every circumstance and situation, not forgetting our true identity in Christ, but defeating sin and walking in the path of holiness and joy. How can we do this? We cannot do this by ourselves on the basis of our own unaided efforts. Today in Romans 8, we want to see that the Holy Spirit is the key to everything we have learned thus far. It is the Holy Spirit who makes all of this possible, who empowers us to fulfill this glorious goal. We must remind ourselves that the Christian life is a life animated, sustained, directed, and guided by the Holy Spirit. In the verses before us, Romans 8, 12 to 17, we discover that the Holy Spirit subdues our flesh, leads us, and witnesses to our sonship. Let's look first at how the Holy Spirit subdues our flesh. Verse 12 says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. How do we live by the Spirit? The Bible tells us back in verse 5, For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. In order to defeat the sinful deeds of the body, we must set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Paul says that our walk depends upon our thoughts, and our conduct does depend upon our outlook. What do we set our minds on? The things of the flesh or the things of the Spirit? What is our daily preoccupation? What ambitions compel us? How do we spend our time, money, and energy? What do we give ourselves over to? The argument is, if the Holy Spirit is our life giver and dwells within us, we cannot possibly walk according to the flesh, for that is the way of death. The Holy Spirit has given us life in Christ. Therefore, we are debtors to the Spirit who has given us this new life. And by his power, we must put to death anything that threatens the new life. 
we must get the mindset of the Holy Spirit of God. This is what defines us as Christians. Now, there is nothing more dangerous than to have a merely intellectual or theoretical interest in Christian truth. We must pay careful attention to every therefore or so then that we find in the scriptures. We must not simply gloss over these things or intellectually understand them, but we must put into practice what these words signal. What Paul has been telling us in great detail in Romans 8, 1-11 is how to wage the battle against sin when it tries to defeat him through his body. He is restating once more what he already told us in Romans 6. Likewise, Consider yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Amplified Bible reads, Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin and your relation to it broken. But now you are alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with Him in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 repeats Romans 6 we are told that we must put to death the deeds of the body. This is mortification. The verb is in the present continuous tense, meaning continual, habitual, repeated action. Keep on doing this and don't ever stop. Because of the death of Christ on the cross and our death with him, we are under no obligation to fulfill the deeds of the flesh. Mortification means rejecting all practices we know to be wrong, a daily repentance, turning away from all sin. If you are a true follower of Christ and honestly believe and mean your profession of faith, then you will say, I want to have nothing more to do with my old life before my conversion. Therefore, I will mortify, put to death, the deeds of the body that lead me to live after the flesh. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, St. Paul says, I beat my body and make it my slave. The body needs to be disciplined and controlled, for it is the body that leads us into sin. It is not that the desires of the body are in and of themselves sinful, but sin takes the desires captive and leads them into sinful directions. Sin always seeks to move the desires to disorder, to inordinate affections, to misplaced loves and longings. It is the power of sin that turns normal eating into gluttony, normal drinking into drunkenness, normal sexual relations in a one-man, one-woman marriage into fornication, adultery, and disordered homosexual desires and practices. How are we to discipline the body so that sin does not control it? Only through the Holy Spirit. The godly Saint Seraphim says the true aim of our Christian life consists only in the acquisition of the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, without the Holy Spirit, nothing is accomplished. The Christian life is a branch grafted onto a tree with the life and sap and vitality of the Holy Spirit coming through him to enable him to bear fruit. 
The epistle of St. John says that the believer cannot go on living in sin because Christ lives in him and the evil one cannot touch him. Now listen, non-believers outside of the grace and love of the Lord Jesus cannot mortify the deeds of the body for they are still under the influence of the evil one and powerless to do so. One of the greatest deceptions of the 21st century is that Satan has convinced people that he doesn't exist, that there is no devil and no evil powers influencing humans. But this is a lie. The devil is real and he is powerful, but the Christian is in a different position altogether. The devil may shout at him, may frighten him, may tempt him greatly, but he cannot touch him or control him unless the Christian freely gives himself over to the devil. The second way that the Holy Spirit gives newness of life is that he leads us. If you are led by him, then you are a child of God. And where does the Holy Spirit lead us? This is the connection between Romans 8.13 and Romans 8.14. The Holy Spirit leads us to kill sin. The verse says, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Therefore, the leading of the Spirit has to do with the killing of sin. One of the experiences of the Holy Spirit testifying that you are a child of God is that when sin happens in your life, you make war against it. You hate it. If you are frustrated and angry at the sin in your life right now, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who makes us hate sin. He witnesses in your heart that you hate what you did yesterday. You wish you had not done that sin. It grieves your heart that you spoke that way to your wife, that you clicked on pornography, that you were dishonest in that business transaction. It is grieving your heart right now. That is God the Holy Spirit at work in you. That is the Spirit testifying, you are mine. are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. Let's continue our lesson. by the Holy Spirit means that we hate and turn from the sin in our lives. Sin is an aberration to the norm of holiness and godliness. When we do sin, we quickly repent of it and throw ourselves back upon the mercy and grace of God. Now, we won't ever achieve sinless perfection in this life, but we must achieve purposeful, godly direction. 
being led by the Spirit means that the main tendency and direction of a man's life is directed by the Holy Spirit. His thought life, his feelings, his actions, his will, everything is under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Can you say, with all my faults and failures, with all my disappointed actions, I can honestly affirm that the directing force and principle in my life is the Spirit of God? then you are a true son or daughter of God. And your responsibility is to keep walking in the Spirit. We continue to walk in the Spirit by setting our minds on the things of the Spirit. The more we set our minds on the things of the Spirit, the greater our awareness of God's mercy and grace holding us in His grip. One commentator says, the person who is trying to be a Christian is trying to hold on to something. The person who is a Christian feels that he is being held by someone. The hymn writer says, When I feel my faith will fail, he will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. So it is the Holy Spirit who subdues my flesh by leading me to hate sin and repent of it. The third way that the Holy Spirit brings us newness of life is that he bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Listen, this is wonderful. It is our very ability to form the words, Father, help me, that is the witness that we are true sons and daughters of the King. For that desire to pray, to cry out to God, is birthed by the Holy Spirit himself. The witness of the Spirit is born from above to and through our spirit. The witness of the Spirit shows us that we are children of God, not by helping us feel we are God's children, but by letting us know that God is our Father and that he loves us. It is the Holy Spirit who helps us surrender in faith to the truth of our belovedness in Christ. Brennan Manning says, Sadly, many of us continue to cultivate such an artificial identity that the liberating truth of our belovedness in Christ fails to break through. So we become grim, fearful, and legalistic. We hide our pettiness and wallow in guilt. We huff and puff to impress God, thrash about trying to fix ourselves and live the gospel in such a joyless fashion that it has little appeal to nominal Christians and unbelievers searching for truth. Frederick Buchner says, Repent and believe the gospel. Turn around and believe that the good news that we are loved is better than we ever dared hope and that to believe in that good news, to live out of it and toward it, to be in love with that good news, is of all glad tidings in this world the gladdest thing of all. Beloved, the certainty of God with us and our confidence through Him doesn't come from the feelings and emotions within our hearts. We don't need to search painfully through the dust and debris of our own rotten hearts to find positive feelings about God. We go all the way down to the living rock beneath, the bedrock of God himself. Listen to these monumental words of Isaiah 65. 
But now, O Lord, you are our Father, and we are the clay. You are our potter. All of us are the work of your hands. We are the clay. The Father is the potter, and the Holy Spirit is the shaper of our lives on the potter's wheel. It is only by the Holy Spirit that we cry out, My Father, help me. So I ask you, does your heart cry out to God? Father, my authority, my heavenly potter, my comforter and strong tower. Now we can program a computer to say those words, right? You can program a computer to say, Abba, Father. But it doesn't mean that the computer is a child of God. So words coming out of your mouth are not the issue. The issue is the cry of your heart. I need you. The key word is cry. By the Holy Spirit, we cry. In our weakness and grief and trouble, we cry out, Father, I need you. Father, I am just a little child. I am helpless in this world. I need a heavenly Father. If that is the way your heart cries, that is the Holy Spirit bearing witness in your heart that you belong to God. So can the believer know for certain that he is a child of God? Yes, he can. It is the Holy Spirit that inclines my heart to hate my sin, to make war on it, and to kill the deeds of the body. That is him showing me that I belong to Christ. He wells up within me, creating a sense of need and showing me my frailty, my vulnerability. I need you, my God. I am lost without you. I am homeless and orphaned without your love. Of course, self-sufficient people don't talk like this, and therefore they show that they are not yet Christians. The Holy Spirit humbles us to hate sin and to need a father. That is his witness. He awakens a longing for a father in God, and he awakens a hatred for sin which opposes that longing. So, beloved, here's the reason we have the Bible and must read it every day. The reason we have the Bible is because our limited, finite minds can't know and interpret the mystery of salvation. We can't know the working of God in our hearts, what words to use or how to name that working. We need God to tell us the truth. We need him to reveal his mysterious working in our hearts, and he tells us the truth in the Bible. Romans 8.15 is describing to you what is happening when you feel the need for a loving Heavenly Father and when you feel hatred for sin in your life. That is the Holy Spirit testifying that you are a child of God. 1 Corinthians 12.3 confirms what Paul has just taught us in Romans 8. No one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Do you see the wonderful truth here? You can't proclaim Jesus is Lord unless by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. You can't authentically say with meaning from your heart, Jesus is my authority. He is my king and my treasure. I will live for him. You can't talk like that without the Holy Spirit. But if your heart leaps up to say that, 
then the Spirit of God is testifying that you are a child of God. That's the way he does it. Then the final way the Holy Spirit awakens newness of life in you is that he gives you the desire to really be a child of God. If you are reading these verses and saying, ah, maybe, these thoughts are interesting, but what I'd really like to do is get home and watch a game, then beware. Be very fearful, for the Holy Spirit is not in you. You are not yet a Christian and are still lost in your sins. But if when you hear these truths from Scripture, a cry wells up in your heart, thank you, God, this is awesome, this is unbelievable, the Holy Spirit helps me put sin to death in my body. The Holy Spirit leads me to hate sin and defeat it. The Holy Spirit testifies within me that I am God's very own beloved child. Amazing grace. Look at all that God has done for me. Then you know that the Holy Spirit is at work within you. The hymn writer says, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give. The living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in him. Hallelujah! Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory both now and forevermore. Amen. Listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G A U D E T E ministries.org. This gospel outreach is entirely listener supported. Please help us proclaim the gospel to a needy world you may donate online at our website. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. <laughs>